What's up, everybody? This is the Brian Ellis Podcast. Thanks for listening. Listen, you'll have to forgive me. Today I'm on my portable set because I am running all over the place and didn't have time to set up a studio. But I wanted to do an episode today about anxiety because it has been a crazy couple of weeks for me. I just got engaged a few weeks ago in Maui and then I came home and then immediately the next night had to fly up to Redding, California to do work with the Adventure Challenge. And then it's just been wild. Um, really exciting stuff, but it's an interesting thing because I've, I've been dealing and walking through anxiety these last few weeks in a way that I typically wouldn't. And I think there's a lot of factors that play into this. I've struggled with anxiety most of my adult life. A lot of times I have written it off as like, oh, this is just something that I struggle with and maybe I should take medication or maybe I should do this substance or I should do these tricks or these hacks to eliminate it. And I, I'm, you know, I, I love meditation, gratitude and silence and all those good things. Ice bathing, Wim Hof. I think they're super important. However, it's interesting though, because a lot of anxiety um, comes from this idea of control that I've been learning to let go of. And it's so funny because with anxiety specifically, sometimes I feel like I don't have the ability to maybe, you know, complain or talk to other people about because a lot of the anxiety comes from these events or these things that are really good and exciting things that are happening. And it's like, well, why would I have anxiety? Like, for instance, we had a ribbon cutting ceremony for our new Adventure Challenge headquarters. So we've been working on this new HQ for well over a year, renovating this new building and creating a beautiful office for all of the employees to be together, to collaborate, be creative and work and just have a lot more of a productive flow. We had like eight different office units rented all across Reading for all of our employees together. And now we're all consolidated into one beautiful new building. So that's exciting, right? Um, and so, you know, some of my leaders were like, hey, we're having this ribbon cutting ceremony. The mayor's coming. City council's coming. All these Reading people are coming. KFCOR, the Reading News Channel is going to come do an interview and talk about it. These are good things, right? As an entrepreneur, these are the things that you want to happen. You want to have a beautiful office and a new space and you want the, you know, the, the, to be involved in the city of Reading and, and the celebration is an exciting time. But for me, my brain a lot of times can take these exciting moments. And I know some of you can relate with me here. And, and for those of you who can't, this is going to help you understand some of your friends who battle with anxiety. When these exciting things happen in my life, my brain to protect itself instantly starts finding every possible thing that could go wrong with that good thing. And so for me, it's like the immediate thing is, oh, I have to give a speech. Oh my God, I'm going to be on the news and I'm going to have to articulate in front of a camera. Oh my God, I'm going to have to do this. Oh, th what if this happens? What if I do this? What if this? And it just starts going down this whole list of everything that could go wrong and every reason why this is a bad thing that's happening. And that sucks because even with traveling, a lot of people get excited to travel. I get excited to travel once I'm at the location or the destination, but the buildup to travel I battle with a lot of anxiety. My brain's like, oh my gosh, what if I get sick on the airplane? Oh my goodness, what if I get claustrophobic? Oh my goodness, what if I catch a cold right before and then it ruins the plans? Oh my goodness, what if I get there and then catch a cold and then it's ruined? What if I break my ankle and then I can't surf? What if, and it's just wild. And I'm sure some people listening to this are like, you just need to chill out, dude. Like, but it, it's wild because 
I mean, even from a kid, I can remember having thoughts like this where something exciting would happen and then my brain's instantly like, oh no, there are so many threats to what's to this good thing that it's no longer a good thing. And so instead of me being grateful and thinking, wow, this is so exciting. What a great time to be alive. What amazing opportunity. God, I'm so thankful for this gift. I'm so excited to get to go and speak on the news and go, you know, talk in front of these people and to do this thing and to celebrate this ribbon cutting with, um, instead of those moments, it, it turns into something that I resist. And so, you know, going to my proposal, <laughs> that's another big one. It was, it was wild because I'm like excited to ask this woman who I love so deeply, um, to marry me and, you know, to join my life forever. And then it's like, here's all the things that could go wrong with that. Here's all the things that could go wrong in marriage. Here's all the stuff that we might have to deal with. Here's the, and it just starts going wild. And it's, it's quite incredible because these last three weeks, I would say, have, have presented a lot of really exciting, positive life moments that I'm so grateful for. And I was aware my brain's going to start trying to figure out what's wrong with each of these things and start trying to create anxiety. So understanding that that is a normal thing for people who are battling anxiety sometimes gives you a little bit of relief just knowing, oh, there's, I can, I feel empathy for this. I'm not crazy. I'm not weird. Um, this happens to a lot of us. And, and weirdly enough, it happens to a lot of the really ambitious people because they're holding on to this idea of what success and good looks like. And you're hanging on to it so tightly. You're afraid of anything going wrong. You're afraid of anything outside of what you're predicting to happen because you're judging it as something that's going to be bad. And we're going to get back to that. So with this, with all of this stuff happening, I had an interesting encounter with the Lord where I was praying and I was like, God, why do I feel so much anxiety from these moments that feel so good? And what I feel like what came up in me was this idea that I'm in t- I'm holding on to this expectation that everything has to go perfectly right. And if it doesn't go right, then it's going to ruin my future. So here's, here's kind of what I was realizing. Anxiety is simply doubt in the success of your desired outcome. And what's the opposite of doubt? That's faith. When we walk in faith, it's really hard for us to walk in anxiety at the same time, right? So when we surrender our need to control, we also don't walk in anxiety. And some of the ways that we try to control is we, we try to control the way people see us. We try to control the specific result of an action. Um, we try to control who loves us. We try to control how people see us. And a lot of this is trying to control a lot of other people or things outside of what we actually can control. And here's the weird thing about control. When we try to control, we judge everything that happens as good or bad. And what's weird is we really can't know what's good or bad in the moment because we don't understand how God's going to work that thing for the good, right? Like, and, and I'm not trying to create a black and white list here where it's like, there is no such thing as good and there's no such thing as bad. Um, but I want to give you, I want to give you a story. There's a story that somebody told me and a lot of you have probably heard it. And it goes like this. There once was a man who lived on a farm with his son and his horse. One day, the barn door was left open and the horse ran away. When the nearby villagers heard about it, 
They ran to the farm to tell the farmer how sorry they felt for him. How will you work your farm without your horse? They asked. The farmer simply shrugged and said, good, bad, who's to say? A few days later, the farmer's horse returned and following it were two more horses. The villagers were so excited for the farmer's luck, they ran to his farm and said, congratulations, this is so good. The farmer simply shrugged and said, good, bad, who's to say? The new horses were not broken in, so the farmer's son worked hard to break them in so they could be used on the farm. While he was doing so, one of the new horses threw him off and his leg was broken. The villagers again ran to the farm and expressed their deepest sadness about the son's broken leg. Now your son can't help you on the farm, they said with their heads hung low. This is so bad. The farmer simply shrugged and said, good, bad, who's to say? As the son was healing from his broken leg, a war broke out in the countryside. All the young men were sent to fight. Many died or were seriously injured. However, since the farmer's son had a broken leg, he was not able to go. The villagers again came to the farm to say to the farmer how lucky he was that his son did not have to go fight in the war. Once again, the farmer shrugged his shoulders and said, good, bad, who's to say? What's wild about this story is this faith that this farmer has in not understanding what the future holds, but trusting that in the end, it's, it, it, it will work to his betterment. And, and, and it's wild because in life, these things happen to us that maybe don't feel good or we don't want, or we don't think this is what I desired, this is what I had predicted, this is what I had planned. And so we judge it at face value and we say, this is good or this is bad. But we have no clue what, how that situation is gonna play out in the future. In an example in my own life, and some of you may have heard this story, but in the early days of my company, The Adventure Challenge, before it was even an LLC, before we were selling books, I made a Kickstarter to sell the books. Because in my head, that was the best way to market. That was the best way to get sales, et cetera, et cetera. I'd heard all the you know success stories of a Kickstarter going viral and people making millions of dollars off of a product. And I was like, so this is the way to do it. And this was before I fully understood the power of Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Google ads. And because a lot of those ads back in that day were, a lot of them were scams. And so I didn't trust any of them. I didn't know that it was a legitimate way to sell a product. And so my thought was, you know, Kickstarter, obviously I'm making Kickstarter. This is going to be the way it happens. And, you know, leading up to the launch of the Kickstarter, I'm praying, God, please let this Kickstarter work. And this would be so amazing. I created this whole Kickstarter. Now, just to give you some details, I was fully alone in this process. This is before I had a business partner. This is before I had any, any capital, anything. And I really did not know how to even set up the proper pricing for the book and or any of that. I literally, I, I, I pulled a number out of my ass for the price. And I was like, you know what? This book's going to be $25. That seems like a good price. It seems like a good amount of money for people to pay for this type of book. So I listed it at $25, posted pictures, made a promo video, launched the Kickstarter. First day was amazing. Made $1,000 in revenue. Second day was great. Made $2,000 in revenue. Third day, nothing. Fourth day, nothing. Fifth day, nothing. It's a 30-day Kickstarter. My goal was to raise $10,000. I'm $3,000 there, and I'm like, God, I need this to go viral. Lord, I need this to go viral. Have an influencer, share it, or blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just, I'm on my knees. Like, God, I need this to happen. This is what needs to happen. This is so bad that this is not going viral because I'm not getting the result that I think that I needed for this to be successful. And 
long story a little bit shorter, the Kickstarter did not succeed. It it fell flat. And I was so embarrassed because I was blasting it all over social media. I had a ton of friends following it. And most of the people who had bought it were my friends and family and a few other people who were, you know, um, you know, strangers who, you know, would scroll through Kickstarter. And then something even worse happened. One of the comments on the Kickstarter was, can you give us an example of one of the adventures? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I listed three, I, three of the ideas that were listed in the book. 20 people demanded their refund and took their money back. 20 people. And I'm staring at my computer like I just lost another 500 or so dollars because I listed these examples. This is so bad. This is awful. And I remember freaking out and I was so embarrassed that this Kickstarter wasn't working and that all these people had taken their money back and they were like, great concept, horrible execution. These are awful ideas. And I was, I was so embarrassed. I had an adventure challenge sticker that I had put on my laptop. I was so proud of it, you know, put it on my laptop so when I go work at the coffee shops, people can see what I'm making, the adventure challenge. And that day when that happened, I was so embarrassed that I tried to rip the sticker off my laptop, but it just like ripped it in half and the rest wouldn't come off. And so I just had this partial adventure challenge sticker on the back of my laptop. And so when I would go to coffee shops, I would sit up and have my laptop facing the wall so nobody could see the back of it. And in my head, I was like, this is horrible. So what's interesting about this story is fast forward years down the road. I mean, not even years down the road, maybe a year later, I realized if that Kickstarter would have went viral, I would have lost everything because, and this has happened to several Kickstarter people where they have underpriced their product and then they went viral and sold a hundred thousand units and they weren't able to deliver because they had priced it wrong. You know, they had, they had projected a price that they thought would be um, accurate for their manufacturer to deliver on, but maybe they didn't factor in, you know, shipping costs and all these things. And it totally destroyed them. And not only that, but they had all these people's money, but then they had all these people super angry at them because they're like, we need you to send us more money because we're losing $5 for every unit that we got. So we're in debt half a million dollars because we undercharged. I had undercharged the people on the Kickstarter easily 10 to $15. So if that would have went viral, I would have been in debt, you know, over a million dollars. I would have had all this money. It would have ruined the brand name and it wouldn't have taken off and it just would have been a disaster. But because it didn't go viral, but because it did get some traction, a few angel investors had reached out to me and they were like, hey, we would love to talk to you about investing in your book. And so I go into this meeting with these investors. And I sit down and they're like, we love this concept. We love this book. Um, we want to give you this much money for 40% of the company. But we also want you to sign these documents saying that you'll give us full veto power so y- you can never outvote us with your equity. And once again, this is a situation where I was like, this isn't good. Like, this is bad because... I don't want to give that up, but I also have no other option because my Kickstarter failed and I want this product to succeed. So I need to accept these investors. So fast forward a little bit, I ended up telling one of my friends about this and she was like, why would you go with these investors? Why would you go with these people that you don't want to do business with? And why wouldn't you just maybe talk to one of your friends? Like, why don't you talk to your friend Ben Day and see if he would want to invest in it? Sure enough, I pitched the idea to Ben, hey, why don't you invest in this, you know, 30% of the company for this amount of money, we go into this as partners and we do this. He agreed. 
and the rest is history. Ben, me and Ben have been business partners for well over six years. We've sold millions of copies of these books all over the world. And it blows my mind because I look back at that situation and I'm like, I was so judgmental to an outcome that I thought I needed to see for this book to succeed. And if my, if what I had said, this will be good would have happened, it actually would have been bad. And I'm wondering at the times in my life where things haven't worked out, where I have said, I need this to happen because this would be good for me. And it doesn't work out. And I, and I judge that as a bad thing. I wonder how many of those things actually turned and was used for my betterment. And this is this idea of not being powerless to where you just say, well, whatever happens, happens. And whatever happens was supposed to happen, right? There's a fine line. Because a lot of people are living in this victimhood mindset where it's like, you know, I'm just going to shoot my shot. And if it hits the target, great. If it doesn't, then it wasn't meant to be. And it's like, no, the, the goal is to show up to a risk fully prepared to give it your best shot, but then to relinquish control of the outcome. And that's this like, it's like this living this lifestyle of faith. And to me, that's being powerful and being surrendered at the same time. Right. And, and as a lot of my Christian friends talk about living a lifestyle of faith, faith does not look like showing up half heartedly to a risk, shooting your shot and then blaming God when you don't get the result that you want. God had nothing to do with that. That was you showing up unprepared, being lazy, not getting what you want and then blaming religion or blaming the, the creator of the universe. And, and I, I don't believe that's how God has created us. I, I believe he's empowered us to show up fully to a risk, take our best shot. And if we don't get the result we want, we say, you know what, right now, I'm not going to judge this as good or bad. I'm going to actually surrender this outcome to God and say, Lord, I can't see the future. I actually don't know what's going to happen. And I actually don't know if this is good or bad, but I'm actually putting this in your hands and I'm going to trust you. The amount of times I have done that in my life and seen incredible fruit has been monumental. And so going back to these last few weeks, it was wild, right? Because I felt all this pressure for, I want this proposal to be great. I want it to be, I want it to blow her mind. I want it to her to feel super special. I want everyone to feel connected. I want this to be a memorable event. And so as I'm planning this whole proposal, I'm calling these different caterers and people, you know, for this, I wanted to create this big picnic, right? So after I propose, we have a picnic on the beach and it's this really beautiful thing. Well, funny thing is every, there's only two really good picnic planners in Maui. Maui's not very big. You know, there's only two very good ones. There's several other smaller ones, but not very good. And both of them had events on the exact day that I was proposing. And instantly my thought was, you know what? I'm not going to judge this as good or bad. I'm not going to judge this as, oh no, now it's going to be bad. God, I'm trusting that you have something very beautifully planned for this proposal because she's your daughter. And I, you know my heart and how much I want to surprise and bless her with this event. So I'm going to need you to show up and help me figure out something. So I texted a few friends, hey guys, if you know of anything, have a good caterer or something like that, that'd be helpful because nobody's open. And, uh, one of my friends, the day before leaving for Maui, texted me and said, hit this guy up. He's really good. And we love him. You know, he gave him a glowing recommendation. So fast forward, this was, the proposal was better than I could have ever imagined. It was better than I could have ever dreamed because this dude was literally, it was this private chef at this venue overlooking all of Maui on this mountaintop. And it was one of the most connecting, bonding, and beautiful experiences of my life. It was one. It was just a core memory. If you guys go to my Instagram, you can see I posted about it. And it was just beautiful. I mean, way better than any picnic 
that we could have done from, you know, a local picnic person. This was hands down one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. And I was able to have it with my new fiance and it was incredible. So, you know, but there was all these moments within the the planning and everything where it's like, I don't want her to know that her sisters are flying in. And I even had to surrender that control. Like, I don't want her to see her sisters, but if she does, I'm actually going to believe that it was for the best. I'm going to believe that it was actually something good that maybe I don't see why it was good, but something down the road will reveal that. And I started to just like practice that mindset throughout these, these weeks that were high stress, big events, big things and saying, God, this is what I want to happen. I'm going to give it my best shot, but if you have something better planned, like I give you control of this because I really have no clue what is good and what is bad. What is the best? What is the worst? I have no idea. And to me, it was just so wild to live with that mindset with these last few weeks, with these moments of high stress all the way leading up to the ribbon cutting. I mean, I, it was so funny because the day of the ribbon cutting, normally I would feel this anxiety or this pressure. I don't like public speaking. I, I don't mind. I love speaking on podcasts, but I, I okay, I'll say this. I love public speaking. I don't like the buildup to public speaking because the buildup to public speaking is like, what if I forget what I need to say? What if I sound like an idiot? What if I mumble? What if I blank? What if I throw up? What if I pass out? You know, all these crazy things. And with this mindset, I was able to actually eliminate, I would say 60, 70% of all of the anxiety around the public speaking is I said, you know what? I want to get up there and I, I want to deliver in speech. I want to, I want to give a speech that's really powerful and impactful. And I want to, I want people to hear my heart for this company, for this building and I want to be really articulate and clear. But if I get up there and stumble through my words, if I don't deliver and I don't say the things I'm supposed to, that I feel like I'm supposed to say, and I embarrass myself, I have no idea if that's good or bad. In the moment, it probably won't feel that good. But God, I also give you the control of, I also give up the control of me needing it to turn out to be good. And it was wild because when I released that control or the idea of this needs to turn out the way I want it to turn out, it eliminated so much of the pressure of me having to perform. I was able to give up a lot of the nerves and get up and just re- be relaxed and say what I wanted. And, and at the end of the thing, it was like, I feel like I did a good job. Now we're going to wait to see what the fruit of this is and what actually happens with this. I can't tell you like how, how excited I am to continue to walk down this path of letting go of the idea of I'm going to judge what's good or bad with what happens with my, you know, attempted actions. I'm going to go out and give my very best. I'm going to show up as prepared as I can and I'm going to give it my best shot. <laughs> and whatever happens, I'm actually giving the control to God and I'm not going to try to be a control freak and 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 fix it the way I feel like it needs to be fixed. And it's just so interesting to think this way. And to navigate, you know, you're thinking about relationships and friendships and, you know, a conflict that maybe didn't go the way you wanted. And, and I think the important question is to come back to yourself and say, did I do everything that I could um, for this situation? Did I give it my best effort? And sometimes we miss the mark, right? We don't show up the best. We're not prepared uh, as much as we wanted to be. Or we, you know, sometimes it's a failure and we learn from that. And then we say, well, what can I do better next time in order to be more prepared? And maybe, maybe what is this going to teach me in the future? 
And I can't, I can't tell you the amount of relief that's given me. And it was so funny because I was talking to a few of my friends and just, you know, even explaining what I'm explaining to you guys about this idea of surrender, this idea of being powerful, but also surrendered to the result, not trying to control the result or predicting if this is good or this is going to be bad. And it was so crazy to talk to them about this because they were like this. I feel so much more free to be able to go out in my life without having to control this idea of I need this result. I need it to I need it to happen this way or it's bad. Guys, I hope that encourages you. This is just something that I've been processing through and, and walking through, you know, and anxiety is one of those things that I don't take lightly and I don't think it's as simple as just meditating or saying, you know, like, you know, go ice bath or go do this. And I think there's a lot of things that can help get your mind out of fight or flight. Um, you know, sometimes we, we have, you know, our brain gets triggered and sometimes it's hard to think rationally. And um, a lot of times panic and anxiety can come up and it's hard to get out of that. So I'm grateful for a lot of these tools and practices to help you get out of a massive trigger. Um, actually, I'll give one example. I was about to go speak on this really big podcast and, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of people listen to this podcast uh, every day, this podcast I'm about to go speak on. And, uh, and I typically don't get super nervous for, for podcasts. And, but this one, I got really nervous. Like an hour before the podcast, my breath became shallow and I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. And um, one of the things I did was I did the Wim Hof breathing, which is basically 30 inhales and exhales, like deep inhales, like breathe in through your stomach and then through your chest and then let it go 30 times. And then after the 30th breath, you let all of your air out and hold it for as long as you can. You can usually hold it for about a minute and a half. And then you take a deep inhale and hold that for 10 seconds and then you let it go. And that's one round. So usually I'll do about two or three rounds of that if I'm feeling intense anxiety or pressure. And what that does, it's scientifically been proven that that takes you out of fight or flight. So you're able to think logically and reason through maybe why you're feeling afraid and doing that exercise and then thinking through Whatever happens on this podcast, I'm showing up the best I can and giving my best, I'm putting my best foot forward. So if it doesn't go the way I want, then that's okay. And I'm actually going to trust God with what he does with, you know, in the future of this. And so, and that's something that's just been, it's been so crucial to help me in where it's like, I love the practical, but also learning how to surrender your desired or expected result. Um, That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for listening to my rant on anxiety Feel free to share, subscribe, like, send this to your friend who's battling anxiety and could use a little bit of encouragement. Um, I think that's all I have for you guys today. Thanks for also putting up with this audio that I'm sure is not the best, but I mean, sometimes you just got to get out an episode and hopefully next week's episode is going to be at the studio. So have a good one. We'll talk to you later.